Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The mm, it's always better when we're together. Edition is Dave Lapham joins me to discuss the additions of Alex Kappa and Ted Karras to the Bengals offensive line, along with the latest developments in free agency. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It's the greatest thing since exercise soreness. The Bengals' run to the Super Bowl was one of the greatest five-and-a-half-month stretches of my life, but it wasn't filled with much exercise. In fact, if you look up the word sloth in the dictionary, you'll find a picture of a bald man with glasses who looks very familiar. Now that the season is over, I'm trying to be more dedicated when it comes to working out, and I have the soreness that comes with it. Not pain, mind you, just the soreness that occurs in the early stages of an exercise routine that mostly goes away when you do it regularly. So, here's to feeling some exercise soreness. It beats feeling disgusting. Now, time to talk free agency with Dave Lapham. All right, Lap, you've had a few days to take a closer look at Alex Kappa and Ted Karras. You recorded a great podcast with offensive line coach Frank Pollock about those guys. What are the Bengals getting in those two interior offensive linemen? I think they're getting uh, uh, class acts in both cases. I think they're both, you know, very intelligent. I think they're both very alert <laughs> to everything environmentally in their surroundings. I think they're aware of uh, everything that needs to get done. <laughs> and they both seem to be really good communicators and understanding uh, the, the importance of communicating at a high level. And all I can say is I'd love to play right between the two of them. Mm -hmm. After seeing them up here at the presser, I was duly impressed with what they had to say and how they had to say it and just the interaction with each other. I mean, it just uh, – it was very, very comfortable (laughs) for me to observe as a a former lineman. I I think that uh, they're going to be major additions not only to the offensive line room, in terms of leadership, but to the football team in terms of leadership. And I think they will, um, they'll be looked upon, you know, for leadership because they're in the prime of their career and they've gone to the pinnacle. They've won the big one. And this team got there, got to the doorstep, but just could not quite open the door and uh, finish it. So I think think these guys are going to have a major impact uh, on the football field off the football field, in the locker room, in the community, every place there can be an impact. I think these two guys will be part of it. Ted Karras played left guard for the Patriots last year. He played center for the two seasons prior to that, one in Miami, one in New England. Zach Taylor definitively said, no ifs, ands, or buts, he will be our center. Right. Trey Hopkins is let go, uh, starting center, and, uh, and, and this guy is, is who they've, they've tagged. To me, if I'm Hill, that lights a fire under me to get better. You know, that, that, that they're not quite there. They're not going to say, all right, you're the incumbent. You're our starting center. Karras is going to line up at the center position. Now, if Hill has shown improvement, 
you know, the, the fact is that Karras has played both guards and center, that the, the all three interior line position uh, aspect of his resume is extremely attractive and appealing. <laughs> Versatility uh, is is very, very important in this era, particularly on game day when you only have seven or eight guys, um, you know, that are that are up and able to play. So um, it, it, it's a source of motivation for Hill, but Karras, uh, they, they were very adamant. Uh, it was part of the process of recruiting him. Here's what we're going to do with you, a very defined role. But we do expect that you still would be able to go to left guard or right guard if, in fact, injury or something else uh, determined that we would need help there, and he could do that. So it's a, it's a very comforting feeling, I think, to to have a guy with that type of uh, versatility. And not only you project he might be able to, he's played it in the NFL. He's, there's game tape that you can look at and say, hmm, he performed well enough to win football games in the National Football League at all three spots. That is worth a ton. It's almost priceless. Alex Kappa was one of the first free agents announced on Monday, if not the first. 27 years old, four years in the NFL, a Super Bowl ring from Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. Frank Pollock did not want to say he was the number one guy on our list, but clearly he had to be very high on whatever list they put together for the Bengals to get that done as quickly as they did. Yeah, and, and, and you know, you start to, okay, let's put in the criterion. Uh, here's, here's what we want to spend. And, and we'd like to be able to get both these guys. So, uh, or we'd like to be able to get two, maybe not both of these guys. We'd like to be able to t- get two. So here's, here's what we, we're thinking. We're going to budget for offensive line free agency initially. And here's the ones that are exorbitant. They're out of, they're out of, that, out of that price range. You know, um, we're not going to be able to, to buy a mansion. We'll have to settle for a five-bedroom house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they, got, they got, you know, again, uh, William Jackson. He goes to Washington and gets big bucks. And they get Awuzier and they get Hilton. For the same same money, two for one. Um, Sheriff goes to Jacksonville from Washington for big bucks. They get these two guys for the same money. Two years in a row, they've done a twofer. <laughs> it's pretty darn good. And you, you had more than one position that needed help in the offensive line, and even in the interior of the offensive line. So I think they handled it remarkably well. I think, you know, they targeted these guys as ones that would fit all that criterion and boom, you get Capita to uh, engage in the process pretty quickly. And it's a good thing they did because Tom Brady called him shortly thereafter, and he basically said, you know, a little too late, Tom, and too far down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and I admire that because we've seen guys renege on deals that they've agreed to. And Ogunjobi, unfortunately, didn't pass his physical, so he doesn't get his contract with the Bears that uh, was agreed to. But but other guys have changed their mind. I Look at that as a as a, a very very admirable trait that Kappa has. Tom Brady calling him the goat, saying you know come on come back run it back with us in Tampa, and he's like you know I've given my word here too far along. I admire that you know, and uh, so that tells me something about his character as well. It's those good values you learn at Humboldt State. <laughs> exactly right, Humboldt. They're humble at Humboldt State, um, and. Uh, yeah, that. How about how about that? That, uh, that? That's a heck of a thing too. You talk about a guy that everybody everybody has development at a different age and rate and all those sorts of things. But 
you know, not obviously coming out of high school, not a guy that everybody was drooling over. Mm-hmm. But uh, he goes, and you know, some guys are late bloomers, and he's one of those guys that probably bloomed late physically, and he had all the uh, all the other things. You don't become a glass eater, as Frank Pollock likes to call his tough guys, you know, overnight. Um, in some cases you do. I shouldn't say that. But this guy obviously has had a love and desire for football for a long time for him to – and he finally gets to – you know, the highest level you can get to, and you're living your childhood dream. So I'm not, not going to let a broken arm stop me. And, uh, you know, I get an injury there in my leg. I don't know exactly what it is. Let me see if I can go. Can't go. X-rays, MRI. Oh, it's broken. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that dude, you know, I'd, uh, I'd definitely do a tag team wrestling match with that dude. <laughs> so speaking of glass eaters, it's no secret that Lyle Collins is visiting the Bengals. We are recording this conversation at about 325 on Friday afternoon. So by the time the podcast is posted, who knows, maybe he has agreed to a deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but I asked Frank Pollock about him at his news conference. He said, I loved coaching him in Dallas. He is a glass eater. He loves film study. Uh, he made it abundantly clear that he would love to have him as his right tackle if the Bengals can win what now becomes a, a free agency sweepstakes for his services. And how about that? You get the center, right guard, and right tackle in free agency, potentially. My goodness. You can't ask for much more than that. Um, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs had, quote, the formula last year. They got two starters in free agency and two in the draft. Oh, I, I prefer three in free agency because the draft is a crapshoot, and it's not an exact science, at least in free agency. It's not an exact science there either. Sometimes you go from one system to another. It just doesn't work out for whatever reason. Um, but you, you've got more... Uh, chance for success because you've seen the guy play at that final level and be able to operate and compete and win battles individually and collectively as a team at that highest level. So if you can get three starters in your offensive line in one free agency period, I mean, last year they built their defense through the draft and the offense and defense through free agency and offense through the draft. It might be the reverse of it this year. You know, I mean, they may spend their free agency dollars offensively, uh, you know, primarily, and then and then get after the uh, defensive needs in the draft. But I mean, that would be that would be big. And you look at Collins. I mean, he was undrafted, you know, and Frank Pollock took, you know, molded that clay, and uh, and and really believed in him. And and uh, Collins responded to Frank Pollock's methodology, his techniques, um, his schemes. His hand placement, his footwork, he, he responded to all of it. And you know, they, they've got a relationship. And to me, I think, you know, dinner at, Ruby, at Ruby's or the precinct or wherever is great. Jeff Ruby's got great food, great restaurants. Teammates, it's all important. It's all great. But the fact that I know what Frank Pollock's all about and I have a chance to, uh, to go back to the coach that basically allowed, helped me start a professional career, that has lasted a few years, and I get a chance to go back and and continue that uh, growth and development with that coach who I owe so much, that would be a big deal in my evaluation process, really big deal. The last time we did a podcast, we talked about some of the possible red flags where Lyle Collins is concerned. He missed all of 2020 with a hip injury. He had a five-game suspension last year for recreational drug use wasn't he didn't test positive he missed his tests which may indicate that he thought he was going to test positive but in any case I spoke to somebody in Dallas about him this week he said great guy 
well-liked by his teammates and coaches, uh, don't have to worry about the suspension being some sort of this is a bad guy issue. It's not the case at all. Now, with the hip, uh, obviously part of the process of visiting Cincinnati is to have that checked out by the Bengals' medical team. Absolutely. Look at Larry Ogunjobi, yeah. like we just talked about. You know, it's like he goes up to Chicago and their doctors say, uh, too dicey, too risky. He's not, he's not ready right now. He still needs to heal, whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be uh, – the, the, the physical is going to be a big, big part of it. You know, unfortunately, those issues probably hurt his value in that they were trying to trade him, um, and, and there were no takers. And so nobody wanted to give up anything to get him. All right, let him go, let him go to free agency, and, uh, and the Bengals were just watching the waiver wire. I mean, they were just – they're just laying in prey, man, and, and just waiting, and then just jumped at the at the chance to get in the in the uh, the process. And and again, I think you know one of the big reasons that he's that he's here so quickly after he hit the waiver wire is Frank. So gotta just finish it. I think I think it's going to happen. It's just a question of when. I want to get back to Trey Hopkins for a second because Zach did make that announcement on Friday that in addition to the signings of Cap and Karras, they were letting Trey go and. You know, we had conversations during the course of this past season where you would bring it up unprompted, more or less saying, hey, this guy deserves a lot more praise and credit than he's getting. To come back from a torn ACL in the final game of the previous season to be back in the starting lineup for opening day when maybe he wasn't physically even close to 100%, but did it for his team, did it for his teammates, uh, he deserves all the praise in the world. You know, Baker Mayfield's up there in Cleveland bitching about the fact that, uh, you know, I laid it on the line for the Cleveland Browns playing hurt. And all he's doing is, you know, every form of social media that you can uh, utilize, he's propping himself, you know, jocking himself about doing that. Trey Hopkins did that even, I mean, to have a knee reconstruction (laughs) in January and to come back and, and, and be there for training camp and then play every every snap uh, basically of the regular season. And I've talked to him, you know, a couple of times during the course of the season. I said, how is it? How are you doing? How's it going physically? He goes, it's tough, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge. You know, it's a grind. He was trying to rehab and play at the highest level of football, a National Football League center, particularly when nose guards were over him. I mean, that's, that's just brutal what he tried to do. And he did the best he could. I'm sure, you know, he knew he wasn't putting his best performances on tape, uh, you know, that compared to other years when, when he played at a much higher level. But he was limited. I mean, literally, was, a lot of times he was on one leg, you know. And I'd watch him sometimes and I'd be like, oh, my gosh, man. You know, he's just – and then, you know, when Hill went in there, um, you know, he brain-locked a few times. And, and like Frank Pollock said at the, at the presser, and this term that I use for, for Hopkins as well, the ultimate example of a pro's pro and just an unbelievable communicator, super intelligent and recognize fronts immediately and get the correct call out fast. I mean, very, very quickly. And that, for an offensive line, man, that means a ton, a ton. You know, particularly if you there's some kind of a problem, you get to the line of scrimmage and there's like 10 seconds on the play clock and it's like, oh, man, we got to get this done like right now. Trey was very capable of doing that and never in any kind of a panic mode. That stuff's all big, all very big. And um, I think because of all that, he had, a, he had a presence in the locker room. 
guys guys respected and admired Trey Hopkins. So th- there's a locker room presence there. Um, you know, C.J. Uzama's locker room presence is going to be missed, I th- and, and, and rightfully so. I think on a on a much lower key, less publicized, you know, standpoint, I think I think Trey Hopkins will as well. Um, you know, when they were doing things at the Freedom Center, who was one of the guys front and center up there making statements mm-hmm. on behalf of the football team? Trey Hopkins yeah. says something. Yeah, Trey essentially wrote the statement that they made that day in front of the Freedom Center. You brought up C.J. Uzamo gets the three-year, $24 million deal with the Jets to take his place at least for a year. The Bengals have reached a deal with Hayden Hurst, 28 years old, four years in the NFL, former first-round draft pick by the Ravens. Hasn't had great statistics in the NFL. He's a former professional baseball player, started out after high school with two years of minor league baseball, but obviously has great physical tools if you are the 25th overall pick in the draft yeah and and he's just found himself in in situations um you know with the ravens he's behind mark andrews you know and with atlanta they draft hits and you know it's a it's a tough situation he had one year where he had i think over 50 catches and over 500 yards and a handful of touchdowns i think he can produce at that level Mm -hmm. i think he's i think he's capable of that um i do think he's athletic enough to you know be a an effective route runner uh, catches the football well enough, and and then also you know put his hand in the dirt at the end of the line of scrimmage, and be a factor in the running game. He's six four, two hundred sixty five pounds. I mean he's a he's a big body kid, you know, a strong kid, and uh, and I think I think uh, you know Coach Casey and Coach Pollock will, will maximize what what he can bring to the table in terms of the running game as well. So uh, that that was a good move. You know, it's a a one year deal, a show me deal, a prove it deal. So highly incentivized. Um, he realizes that his football future is going to be, you know, largely determined by how it goes next year. And he's got a quarterback that can get him the football, you know. And uh, I think I think it's a I think it's a definition of a good deal. I think both parties benefit. He had six touchdown catches two years ago with the Falcons. Defensive lineman Jaron Reed is visiting. Apparently Cincinnati is not the only place he's going to visit. It doesn't sound like this is a if I like it, I'll sign kind of thing. It sounds like he wants to take a few different visits and check out the possibilities out there. But what do you think of Jaron Reed, the player? Yeah, I mean, I think I think with Ogan Joby, actually he didn't, he didn't go, uh, but he's he's not under contract. He's not part of the Cincinnati Bengal mix at this point. I think uh, in his absence, getting somebody that can fill that rotational need that they have, um, you know, they, they obviously committed a lot of dollars to B.J. Hill, and he earned it, rightfully so. But he was in the rotation. They got Tupac back, so, uh, you know, that, that's big. So if they, can, if they can get a guy like Reed, that would, uh, that would be a nice, nice get as well. And you know, as we know, I'm talking about it all the time, you know, in all levels of football, games are won and lost in the trenches, and uh, the Bengals have gotten better in the trenches offensively, and they're trying to make sure that uh, that they address their their needs and issues uh, inside as well with the signing of one of their own. Um, you know, B.J. Hill gets a gets a well earned, well deserved contract, and they're not done. Be interesting to see what happens with Ogan Joe because I I got the impression that the Bengals did not rule him out medically. They would have been interested in, in re-signing him now that the deal that the Bears 
offered to him and that he agreed to was far beyond what the Bengals had room to pay or were willing to pay. But if they wanted to re-sign him and didn't have medical issues at the time, I imagine there's still a path for him possibly to come back on a, a shorter deal, although a lot of the money has been committed to others. Yeah, I mean, B.J. Hill got a lot of the dough that, that he was hoping he might get, and they both knew it. They both knew that one was going to get it and the other one was going to move on and, and uh, you know get it somewhere else. But based on the fact that, okay, well, Chicago's medical team failed them, uh, they have a need, and, and they, didn't, they, they didn't feel comfortable enough, how, how much does that devalue? His, his arrangement. I could see potentially where he stays with the Bengals for another one-year prove-it deal. You know? Might have to. Yeah, might have to based on what happened up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, all right, well, the, this multi-year, multi-million dollar thing has gone up in smoke, potentially. Um, it may be too early to tell. There may still be somebody else that would kick the tires and see what kind of dollars anybody that would, who has the dollars left to uh, kick the tires and, and, uh, and spend them on him. So I, I would think that if 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 it uh, if the terms and conditions of a contract change drastically, Bengals are right in the hunt because he he enjoyed it here, he had great success here, loved his teammates, loved his coaches. Uh, there's been no bridges burned. It was everything was done on a high class level. The parting of the ways was done as well as it can be done. I don't see any problem with it. Eli Apple is back on a one-year, $4 million deal. Now, just one year, does that make it seem to you that there's a, a high possibility or probability that cornerback is going to be one of their top draft picks? Yeah, I mean, I look at that as, um, you know, $4 million on a one-year contract to a corner is not like, whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not like, I, why the hell would they do that? I look at it as a, as a very expensive premium of insurance policy, you know. I mean, I think they've... Um, I think they will probably address that position. I don't know if it'll be a first-round pick, but I think it'll be a pretty high pick. And I mean, they may they may double down. They may take a couple of corners, you know, one in in, uh, in day two or even potentially day three. They may take them in day two and day three, and not day one. Uh, don't know, but I do. I imagine that uh, that they'll, they'll probably swing <laughs> swing the bat a couple of times uh, in the draft at that uh, at that position group, but. I, I do really – I don't think it's lip service when Lou Anarumo talks about having confidence in Eli Apple. He really does. You know, I think he's um, he's he's taken it – Lou feels like I've been with this guy through all of it, you know, thick and thin. And sometimes in situations like that, you really celebrate the the uh, successes with him even more so, you know. And, and the failures are like, well, you know, yeah, that didn't work out. We can get over that. We can work it. We can work through that. So that that uh, that relationship that the two of them have is is big, big for the player and big for the coach. Last thing: when are they when are they going to invite you to take part in one of these precinct dinners with all of these offensive linemen? Man, I'll I'll get a I'll get a steak burrow any day of the week, <laughs> and I'll go medium rare as well. I might even go more rare than medium rare. <laughs> I'll be I'll be a raw. I'm not eating any glass, but I'll eat some raw meat. There's no doubt about that. That's going to do it for this episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast presented by Ultimate Bengals. Download Ultimate Bengals ahead of the 2022 season. It's free to play next level fantasy football with fantastic Bengals prizes. Get it now on the App Store and Google Play. 
And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find us. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.